You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites. And it's brought to you by Ion Blue, providing 100% renewable carbon neutral energy for your electric vehicle. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of The Driven Podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of TheDriven.io, our EV-focused website and also Renew Economy. And in this episode, I'd actually like to welcome a new advertiser, Iron Blue. And thank you very much for our most recent um, sponsor of this uh, podcast, uh, which was Jet Charge and um, all those that um, went before and all those who may follow. Now, today we're talking about electric trucks, and I guess the brand or the technology that's dominated most of the conversation about this has been the Tesla, and it's Tesla Semi, of course, which we haven't really seen um, in Australia and likely will not for a while, but um, we do hear of other big brand names such as Volvo talking about new electric trucks. But one Australian company has come up with a pretty smart idea, which is both cheaper, possibly smarter, possibly more effective in cutting emissions. And to talk about that company, I'd like to welcome its uh, co-founder and chief executive, Lex Forsyth, um, CEO of, I actually introduced the company, of course, Janus Electric. Lex, thanks very much for joining the podcast. Oh, thanks for having us on, Giles. So tell me just briefly what the proposal from Janus Electric is. You're not focusing on new electric trucks at all. You're focusing on the second-hand market or refurbished electric trucks. Can you explain in your own words what the idea is? Well, we're actually focusing all on all trucks. So we're, we're, we're agnostic to the truck. We're happy to work with OEMs on their new product and also on their, on their already built trucks. So uh, currently what we've been doing is converting existing Class A prime movers to electric. And that's, um, that's across um, all the manufacturers. Um, and then uh, we've also taken in a couple of gliders, which are, are trucks delivered without engines um, from, uh, from Packer, the two Kenworths that have been built here in Australia. Uh, the first two gliders that, are, that Kenworth have manufactured in 18 years here in Australia. So um, our technology works across, uh, across all prime movers, both bonneted and cab over. And we have an exchangeable battery solution. So where the diesel engine is, in the truck, we drop in what we call our Janus conversion module, which is a 540-kilowatt uh, electric drive motor coupled to uh, a, a, a transmission, um, and then all the auxiliary services that, you know, your air compressor, power steering, air conditioner, and those sorts of things required to run the truck um, is plumbed into the existing infrastructure on the truck, utilising the CAN bus system and existing electrical systems that are on the truck. And so the swappable battery, that actually sits under the cabin pretty much where the diesel fuel tanks were, is that right? Exactly where the diesel tanks were. So we, we what that's done is reduce the centre of gravity of the vehicle and also um, what we, we originally started by putting it in through the front of the vehicle, which required a lot of modification to the vehicle. Um, and then uh, we, we looked at it and just went, well, this makes sense. Why not we put the, tank, put the batteries where the fuel tanks are? And um, so we've got a better rollover stability and, and, and a lower centre of gravity on the vehicle. So they're just a they're better performing, uh, better performing vehicle on the road. 
Okay, so look, um, let's start sort of um, the. I'm kind of interested in the second-hand market because basically there's a whole bunch of trucks out there which are kind of ripe for the picking, as it were. Um, I was stunned when in your presentation uh, you had a little bit of an open day down at Pier- Piermont at the um, at, at, at the at the cruise um, terminal there, and we got yeah. to have a ride with some of those trucks, and, and they're pre- they're pretty amazing. We'll get to that soon. But now, you were talking about many electric trucks; they need to have. You, you talked about a sweet spot in the market. And electric trucks, basically, when they get to a million kilometres, they need a new engine. Um, one, it was news to me that they actually got to a million kilometres, but they must be very solid machines to get that far. But then they do need a new engine at that time, and this is the best time to put put one in to to make the switch yeah. to electric. Yeah, I think I think you mean diesel trucks at a million k's need a need a I'm new sorry. engine. They're, they're, due, they're, due, <laughs> they're, they're due for a, an engine rebuild, and 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 that's what we look at and go, well, why why go and invest? Um, you know, sixty to eighty to a hundred thousand dollars in in rebuilding the existing infrastructure and existing engine, um, when you can spend uh, spend a bit more and go to electric and and reap the benefits of lower maintenance costs, lower energy costs, and a, and more stability of energy pricing than um, than what uh, what the diesel market offers. Yeah, and so how many trucks are on the road, and how many trucks each year would sort of reach that million kilometre mark? Oh, look, in in Australia, class eight. Class 8 trucks that are registered at the moment, there's about 103,000 of them in operation. And the average age of every Class 8 prime mover in Australia is around 10 years of age. So typically, you've got to look at the, the duty cycles of um, Class 8 prime movers in Australia. And, you know, in a line haul application, you've got, which is, you know, capital city to capital city, those sorts of uh, freight routes. Um, you've got some of those vehicles are doing in excess of 250 to 300,000 kilometres a year on average. Mm. Um, and so, you know, around that uh, year four and year five mark, they're due for that engine rebuild. Um, the interesting thing in Australia is we only there's only 5,000 new trucks a year manufactured for the Australian market. So if we were actually going to go carbon zero today and say we're only going to do it with new trucks, it would take us 20 years in Australia here to convert our fleet, um, just in, in Class A prime movers, so uh, with new production. And And one of the things is, we look at it and go, there's some really great truck manufacturers out there. We don't need to be a truck manufacturer. We just need to turn it electric. And they make great trucks. Mm. Um, it, just, it, it just needs a different, a, different, um, a different engine to power. And that's where the, electric, uh, the Genus Electric solution is that, is that point of difference and that carbon zero solution. And so, how many do you think would be right for sort of right for the picking? I mean, how many people, would get, how many trucks would get to that sort of um, one hundred thousand, uh, sorry, one million kilometres um, each year? You talked about five thousand new trucks each oh, year. Um, how many would roll over? I would think, I, I would think you'd have uh, anywhere between uh, ten to fifteen thousand trucks a year uh, right. that would be at that at that mark. Because what typically happens is those trucks, most fleets either make a decision to rebuild the truck, or they make a decision to. Um, Put the truck, uh, put the truck into a lower duty cycle. So you might find a, a long distance truck will come back to a more of an interstate truck where it might work within a, a 500 kilometre radius of a capital city, um, and then they then they progress from that down into a, a port truck into you know doing containers, those sorts of things around cities, or going into the grocery delivery supply chain uh, where you've got trucks running with light loads out to um, out to supermarkets from the from the um, from the major. Uh, retailers DCs um, in the capital cities and so there's a bit of a life journey for trucks in in different applications and you know the, the fleets that are operating in high duty cycles will typically turn their trucks over every five years because of it, after a truck's done 
you know, that six to 700,000 kilometres, the honeymoon period of owning that truck starts to, to come off and your maintenance costs increase. Mm-hmm. Um, just through just because of the heat load that a diesel engine puts through the componentry and puts through um, puts through the vehicle, they they start you know your maintenance items become a lot a lot greater. Um, so that that's sort of the, the sort of the life the lifespan of a truck in, in Australia. What what it typically does is uh, it has a progression from different different duty cycles. Yeah, but you can offer a, sort of a, a longer life and um, and and a cleaner and and, and cheaper life um, by by doing this sort of conversion. So, so what what are the economics of it then? We'll get to the emissions later on. Yeah, so the economics you're looking at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to do the conversion of the vehicle, and then we give we give the fleet operator back their engine, intercooler, radiator, exhaust system, fuel tanks, and typically, and we've got um, wreckers out there that um, secondhand wreckers that take the componentry, and we'll give a fleet operator. Anywhere between twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars, depending on what the condition of the motor is that comes out of the vehicle. So they get that as a rebate back to them, and then it, just depending on the duty cycle of that vehicle, um, we're seeing fleet owners with a one one and a half to two year payback, um, just in energy cost savings and in maintenance savings. You, you know, your you maintenance, your maintenance on a diesel diesel truck after about three years of age jumps up to about twelve cents a kilometre, um, wow. just for the just for the prometer for the prime mover. Um, with with going to electric, you're looking at um, sub, you know, sub five cents, sub four, depending mm. on the application. And one of the big things is is we've taken out the heat heat load underneath the vehicle, so we've removed uh, forty degrees of operating temperature from under the vehicle, so that extends oil life in transmissions and dips. But also on top of that, with electric, you get the regenerative braking. So you, you hear some trucks sometimes um, you hear that you hear that bellowing noise as they're trying to slow down for an intersection. You hear the engine brake. Um, and that and that really bad rattly noise that comes out of the engine, and that's energy being lost out the exhaust pipes. Whereas going to electric, you have a, a um, regenerative braking as as a standard fitment at the capacity of what the engine is, and that energy is harvested back into the battery. So you're actually replenishing and increasing the range of the vehicle with that energy coming back into the batteries. And and what that also does is is reduces the brake, uh, sorry, reduces the brake applications on the vehicle in the trailer. So it extends your brake life. On, on vehicles uh, dramatically, and then the heat load's gone from underneath, so you don't have the wear out, uh, the wearing of componentry under the vehicle. It's um, it's it's just a there's so many positives to going to electric. It's not funny. Yeah, and and, and no compression braking, of course. You can get rid of all those signs outside the cities, isn't there? Correct, correct, correct. <laughs> and you, you think about you think about the delivery windows and the delivery um, um, you know, cur- the, the, there was all the discussions around curfews and those sorts of things on. Um, you know, when when COVID was in application, when COVID was happening, there was all these issues around you know delivery windows for for supermarkets and those sorts of things needed to be extended because they they just couldn't get they couldn't keep up with the demand. Whereas um, with electric trucks, there's no noise, mm. um, so you, you you your duty cycles and your availability and curfews that those sorts of things go out the go out the window because the the electric trucks are just quiet. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, you get a lot of people buying houses next to highways soon. Um, well, that's the next big real estate tip. You've got to hit, you, you heard it here first. <laughs> or happier people living next to highways. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, look, um, how big that? How, how big is the battery? Um, how far would it take a truck? And how do you swap it over? Yeah, so it's a 620 kilowatt hour battery um, mm-hmm. running at 750 volts. It's split into two side modules. So two. Um, when when we talk about a battery, a battery is two side modules at 310 kilowatt hours each. 
uh, which gives us a combined total of 620. And depending on what the vehicle's towing, so if you look at a single trailer application, so up to about 50 tonne, you're looking at uh, between five to 600 kilometres and with a B-double application, so up to around that 70 tonne mark, uh, you're looking at about four to 500 kilometres. But, you know, as you as you increase the rolling resistance, so i.e. add more trailers or more axles behind the vehicle, that's what brings the range down to the battery. And the battery is currently swapped with a, a forklift within uh, with three minutes uh, is, the, is the swap time. And, um, you know, it, you pull into a change in charge station and, and the battery will be swapped over in three minutes and the truck's re-energised and on its way again and the battery stays and waits to be charged when, it, when and where it makes sense. Three minutes, that just sounds extraordinary. How does that happen? Is it like a, a bloke in a forklift just basically just goes in, lifts one out and just puts another one in? Correct. That's, that's exactly how it happens, Giles. And, um, and, and, the, and there can't be much sort of electrical connection. It's just a bit of a plug um, to get something in and three, off you go. Three, yeah, three plugs. So it's a hot swap. Um, so it's a, they're a self-locating battery. So you know how you've got a if – you, if you think of the business models, that what our system looks like, if you think of a, uh, the, the swap-and-go gas bottle model where you come in with a gas bottle and you just exchange it and away you go, um, that's, it, it's, simply, it's simply a change in charge of the batteries. And then if you look at it, it's one battery that fits many tools. So if you look at Ryobi or Makita or those sorts of things, you have a variety of tools, but one battery, and it's as simple as that battery just plugging into that truck, and it energises the truck, and away it goes. It's about creating a standard that all manufacturers can participate in um, that allows us to, you know, the biggest the biggest problem that we've got at the moment is a plug-in solution for trucks just doesn't work, and the amount of load and the pressure that will put on the grid. Um, when I talk about a truck, I'm not referring to a Ute. I'm referring to you know, mm. a, a truck with a you know, 400 or 500 plus kilowatt hour battery on there. Plugging that into a, a supercharger just puts a massive load on the grid and then there's no control over when that, when that energy is coming from the grid because it's reliant on a truck turning up. Whereas with an exchangeable battery solution, what we've got, we can control, that, control the load and have a flexible load on the grid that helps support greater investment into renewables because the biggest problem Australia's electrical grid got, has got is there is no demand when our renewables are in production. And this is a way of fixing it. Mm. Yeah, and so you you intend to, well, not maybe create yourself, but invite others, um, create a business model for others to come and sort of set up sort of uh, battery swapping stations sort of around the country, and that could be like existing petrol station or trucking stop owners or maybe people specialists in charging networks or, or whatever. And I think you're sort of imagining something with around about the capacity of about 30 megawatts. So you'd be presumably, you'd be swapping over batteries, you'd be charging a whole bunch of other batteries, which would take about sort of three, four or five hours to charge, I understand. And that can actually then actually play with the grid when it's needed. You can either sort of um, charge up when the renewables are bigger, or you can actually help out the grid by putting back FCAS and other services back into the grid because you're going to have quite a substantial um, power plant there virtually. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're going to be the largest virtual power stations in the country. And, yeah. the, and, the beauty, and the beauty of it is, is we're not reliant on the grid to take back the energy. And this is the key. Why is, why, why is that? Explain that one. Well, the trucks are always coming in and exchanging empty batteries and depleting the storage. Mm. So it's the, only, it's the only battery energy storage system that doesn't require the grid to take the energy back. Well, it's the you. only system. It's the only system in this country that can take energy from the grid and utilise it external to the grid to decarbonise. Mm. There's there's no other solution that can do that. Yeah. So and and that's why it's so key to Australia's grid. Like we talk about a grid, 
We don't have a grid in Australia. We have the single longest transmission line than any country in the world. A grid requires you to have interconnections that connect it in a, in a full loop. We don't. It's the longest transmission line in the world that runs from North Queensland down through New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, and it's connected to Tasmania on the east coast. And then you've got the WA grid and then Northern Territory has a small grid within it. But they're yeah. not grids, they're transmission lines. And this is why we have such an issue in this country is because we can't stabilise that transmission line because of the tyranny of distance. And then when a piece of it goes down, it affects, it has a flow-on effect. Mm. So with the economics being so overwhelming, um, I mean, I think you sort of said in your presentations that basically the the running costs as, as you know, in regards to electricity versus fuel are probably like one-third of the cost of a diesel, um, if you include the purchase price of it and all the excess of the purchase price over sort of um, you know, sort of um, doing a diesel alternative, you're still one third cheaper. You've got all these other benefits of sort of quieter, sort of getting outside of curfews, the thing back to the grid and stuff like that. How are the people in the market taking it? I mean, are you getting interest from trucking companies? Are they sort of embracing yeah. this idea? Yeah, look, we've got around 40 firm orders from, from transport businesses. Um, and then with multiple follow-up orders after after that, um, and and they you know they they're looking at it because everyone's they're getting pushed uh, by customers and, and you know one thing that people don't realise is how innovative our transport operations are here in Australia. Transport operators are some of the most innovative and efficient operations in the world. If you look at if you did a comparison to what what the amount of freight hauled by our vehicles in comparison to what happens in the US on a on a per capita basis, we're, we're far in advance in, in most other countries in the world. So it, it's, it's great to see our operators actually embracing the technology and wanting to move forward in a carbon zero solution. Mm. But, you know, to make sense for a fleet operator, you know, the environment is one benefit of it, but it's got to make sense economically. It can't be reliant on government subsidies and handouts like other 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 um, technologies are being given and having money thrown at them, and they're not a viable solution. They just mm. the numbers don't stack up. Whereas battery electric vehicles, you know, why would you take energy and put it into another vehicle and lose seventy percent of that original energy you started with to the drivers <laughs> when you can put it in when when you can put it into a battery electric, and you 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 know you've got eighty five percent of it at the drive wheels in the vehicle. It just mm. doesn't make, you know, that in itself, you know, you don't have to be a high school genius or, you know, a, a, a scientist to work out that losing that much energy is is inefficient and, and just doesn't make common sense on an economical point of view. Are there any sort of cultural issues? I mean, people might like the sound or the grunt of a big motor or something like that. I mean, um, I guess when they get to drive an electric one, they probably find, like like I and many others have done, that, um, geez, electric electric vehicles are pretty good. They accelerate well. They've got great, great oh, fun to drive. It, it, they're fun to drive, and that's the thing. Like, you get some of the old-school truck drivers that we've had in the trucks, and they go, oh, I missed the sound of the diesel. And I go, how long do you reckon you'll miss it for? And they go, what do you mean? I said, well, you've only driven this for 10 minutes, and you you've gone she said i just missed the sound of my truck i said if you drive it for two hours or three hours and you don't have that drone in the background and you don't have the fumes and you don't have the heat and you can put a bit of music on and you can have a conversation on the phone with someone like i did i did a radio interview the other day in the truck while i was doing some road <laughs> testing on on hands free of course giles of course and, of course and they said oh 
are you are you yeah. in a vehicle at the moment? I said, oh, I am. I'm in the electric truck. They said, oh, the only reason we had it is we could hear a bit of wind. I said, yeah, I had to put the window down for a second. I'm sorry. And they couldn't believe how quiet it was. And yeah. and that's the thing. Like, it, you know, you look at driver's health and, you know, one of the biggest problems that the industry has is industrial here, uh, industri- industrial deafness because you've got that constant drone and bellow of the diesel engine in the driver's, in the driver's ears all the time. It, you know, yeah. it's... It, it's those sorts of things. Like it, there is really huge health benefits. Yeah, you, 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 you're a former driver yourself, or maybe you're still a driver. Um, how did you make that leap? I mean, what, what sort of prompted you to sort of make this big leap from sort of driving diesels to proposing this electric conversion? Oh, look, I've been I've been around trucks since I was a kid. So my my parents are from the transport industry. I've had my own transport businesses. I've owned a couple of hundred trucks over over my career in in transport. I've driven them. I've owned them. I've operated them. And and uh, and then we had a, a diesel refueling network that we used to refuel about seven and a half thousand trucks a week from Cairns through to Adelaide, and mm. um, and so I understand where trucks stop, and and I you know I developed a network to support my own trucks uh, because I got sick and tired of paying service station fuel prices where where I knew that the, the wholesale price was a lot lower, um, so we we um, sold our transport businesses in in late uh, in in two thousand and. 17 and and then uh, we had a, a diesel refueling business and you know uh, my daughter my she was 11 at the time she's now 13 she came home from school she's my second youngest daughter and she said dad i don't i don't like the uh, i don't like the diesel refueling business and i said oh why is that she goes oh you're selling a pollutant and um <laughs> you're uh, you're selling a fossil fuel and you're you're destroying the environment and i went oh okay she said i don't like that it pays for our school fees i don't like that it pays for how we live I just, it's no good. And I said, oh, okay, let me see what I can come up with. And um, and this is what we've come up with. So Let me see what I can uh, come up with. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, I do. I mean, you've come up with quite a, quite the solution. I mean, it's extraordinary. Uh, it's, it, you know, look, it's 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 a great team. You know, it's the other my other co-founder, Bevan, and I, we both, we both sat there at a conference and we had this discussion about, oh, I've got an idea for an electric truck. I've got an idea for an electric truck. And, you know, I just I'm really proud of the team of guys that we got. We got some great people in our workshop, um, great engineers. Just um, the the thing I love about our project that we're doing is we're getting uh, men and women turning up that just want to be a part of it because it's doing the right thing. They mm. just they walk in. We 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 find it. We don't have to advertise for a lot of our positions. It's a lot of word of mouth, and people people just drop in and they say, "Oh, I'm a I'm an auto electrician." Have you got anything going? I love what you guys are doing. Or I'm a I'm a boilie. I want to I want to weld up stuff that's got to go on the truck. And that's we, we've just found a, this core group of people that are very passionate and very focused about this because they they do realise they 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 realise that this is actually a life changing moment for transport. It, it's it's a real step change that you know transport has got to go through. Mm. And um, it, we're just proud to be able to help assist in, in doing it. Mm. Where did the name uh, Janus Electric come from? It comes from the Roman sun god of um, safe passage, so in a oh. new beginnings. So it, it's 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 about uh, you know safe journeys and new beginnings. And and if you if you look at the symbolism um, of the of the the Roman god, it's two faces facing each other, uh, facing away from each other, but connected back to back. So. You look at it in our logo you can see that symmetry and mm-hmm. and um and and it's about you know it's about new beginnings like this is we're in a technology revolution at the moment everyone everyone thinks oh we're we're we're, we're in an industrial revolution that's been and done 
now what we've got is the technology revolution and it's bringing really smart technology into a really easy and simple system that utilizes existing infrastructure and supports it. So, you know, one of the reasons why we're converting um, secondhand trucks is there's already been a carbon footprint for those trucks to be produced. Why not, why not just make a small, uh, another small footprint to actually convert them over to stop them putting a greater carbon footprint by burning fossil fuels? Yeah. You know, if you look at if you look at a prime mover, for roughly every thousand kilometres that prime prime mover does, it puts out about one point seven tonnes of carbon. And you start to do the numbers between the capital cities, between Brisbane and Sydney, every day there's thirty eight hundred trucks, and between Sydney and Melbourne there's forty two hundred trucks a day doing those routes. So you know, if you're looking at you know what what's the best impact for money spent on carbon reduction? It's on heavy transport because it is one of the biggest users of diesel in this country. Like. Australia used 32 billion litres of diesel last year. Of that, road transport equated to 23% of that. So nearly 7.2 billion litres of diesel was used in road transport. Mm. There's a huge market to, 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 to decarbonise. You think about what you think about the money that our country could have invested into renewables and become self-sufficient um, for energy for our transport networks. The amount of you know energy sovereignty and security it's huge. Yeah, like yeah, people, yeah. people, people don't talk about it. Everyone says, "Oh, there's, there's, um, there's, there's 68 days of fuel." There is not 68 days of fuel in this country. There's physically not enough terminal space to hold that amount of fuel. There's lucky if there's five to seven. I know from being in the wholesale fuel industry, like Brisbane is on diesel allocations at the moment. There is no diesel in Brisbane. There is okay. allocations across the market. So we we talk about these markets, and we're going to have another epiphany when we, you know. You look at the AdBlue disaster that happened where we nearly shut down transport networks or, or nearly gave the permission to, to switch off pollution controls on trucks because mm-hmm. we couldn't produce enough AdBlue. Well, it's not going to be the AdBlue that's going to be the issue. It's going to be the diesel. So we need to take steps. But the problem is, is we have governments here at the moment that are so focused on being re-elected that they don't make hard decisions or they don't want to invest or don't want to have a foot in both camps. They have, they have a hydrogen and thinking it's the silver bullet. But it doesn't. It, the numbers don't stack up, mm. and this is mm. the thing that needs to change in this country. Yeah. And we need leaders that have vision and, and and a bit of a bit of foresight to be able to look out into the future of what we need as a country, rather than just saying the technology is coming. What if it doesn't come? Yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And and just sort of pointing out with the diesel too. I mean, just about all of it is imported, isn't it, from other countries? So you know, we've got to put it on ships and then sort of put it to terminals. Then we've got to store it and then we've got to truck it. And then it's it's oh, it's, it's absurd. It's absurd. Like we we have we have our, our refining capacity in this country is no more than seven percent of our annual annual consumption. Mm. So there's the numbers for you. So ninety three percent of all fuel is imported into this country. It's it's just you know when you when you look at the energy that's given to this country for free um, in in the in the form of wind and renewables, it is massive. So you're in a fundraising mode at the moment. I think you're trying to raise about ten million dollars before an IPO. What's the um what what's what's the grand long term plan? Oh, look, we our, our grand plan is is eventually to grow the business to an international level, uh, because our module is is able to be converted in in all trucks across the world. So the great thing about Class A prime movers is they're all manufactured to a standard. You know, the chassis or our widths are the same parts across, same width across. Um, in comparison to it, it, all models around the world, they're, they're, they're engineered and manufactured to that standard. So um, 
where we'd like to go, we're, we're raising these funds to uh, help bring the business into into commercialisation and, and uh, fund uh, more battery production as well uh, to um, to actually be able to increase the fleet that convert that can convert across. Um, and then eventually we'd look to look to potentially go to an IPO in late 23, 24, early 24 um, as, as the business as the business has grown in size. Um, that's that's basically where we're going at the moment. Um, and do you have any sort of competitors internationally? Are there other people doing the same sort of thing? Oh, look, we've we've heard of um, a swap happening in China where they're doing it with a, a much smaller battery on a, a concrete agitator, so an eight by four prime mover, where they put a um, a small battery on behind the back of the cab. Uh, but that doesn't work in a lot of applications, and and uh, particularly with, when you've got vehicle lengths and width issues. Um, I, I know you've talked about the Tesla Semi. There's still only two of those trucks running around at the moment. So, um, so you know, we've got five electric trucks. So, Elon, it's time to catch up. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we, we uh, and I, I say that in jest. I, I, I love Elon. I think he's, I think he's the, you know, he's, you know, he's the real pioneer and hero of, of um, EVs. I think he's, he's the one that, Mm. Um, has been the trailblazer, and it's great to see with the product. It's just an amazing product that he's developed across all these businesses and all these models. But um, you know, we haven't seen any competitors in the conversion space. And then obviously you've got the fixed battery options with Volvo and uh, and Nikola. But one of the things we sort of say to fleet operators, the biggest problem you've got is that you're fixing yourself into the cell technology that's available today. Mm. Um, there is so much investment going into battery cell technology. That it's it, it you know there's new chemistries you know we've, we've got a partnership there with Bliss Energy um, on the development of a lithium sulfur cell you know that 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 lithium sulfur will uh, have significant benefits to our um, energy density in, and and increases in range of anywhere to two to three times what we've currently got in our existing batteries so you know those those sorts of advancements. Um, if I was a fleet owner still, I would, would not be wanting to own a fixed battery asset at the moment because you just limit yourself to that technology. So your 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 your, your model is just basically battery agnostic, uh, chemistry agnostic, yeah. and you can sort of you can roll roll with the developments and roll with the, the new technologies. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, fascinating, um, Lex. Um, thank you very much for joining us, and um, look, good luck with the venture. We look to see, uh, look forward to seeing more on the road. It's the same. And that was uh, Lex Forsyth from uh, Janus Electric. Um, my name is Giles Parkinson. I'm uh, the editor of The Driven and Renew Economy. Thanks to our new sponsor, Iron Blue. And thanks for listening. And we'll be back very soon with another great interview in the electric vehicle space. Bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by Ion Blue. Ion Blue provides 100% renewable carbon neutral energy for your electric vehicle. Many EVs are responsible for significant carbon emissions because Australia's grid is predominantly fossil fuel powered. But for as little as $6 a month, you can clean up your EV. Find out how. Go to ironblue.com.au.